The Big Fight Weekend Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is doing everything they can to help DGENs only cash big, including a 50% deposit match on your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP, to get a 50% deposit match. We're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use the promo code SGP for instant deposit matches up to 50 bucks. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. And we're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, welcome in, everybody, to the latest edition of our little digital radio show that loves to focus on the underdog, the little guy, the one that's not given much of a chance to go get it done in big-time college football and the NFL. And we are back off of a week where we were smoking with five underdogs, five correct underdogs on this show, including... Four of them in college football. We were all over those Arizona State Sun Devils, even though they should have won the game with USC and did not with the Trojans coming roaring back in the fourth quarter to win at the Coliseum in the Pac-12 opener. USC still unable to cover that number. Never understood why it was double figures for Arizona State. The uh, the odds makers, the sports books have had a rough time with these opening week games and all the different conferences of what to do and how to gauge it and how to judge it. So the Sun Devils were an easy cover. I say thank you very much to Woo Pig Suey. Second half comeback against Tennessee got me the cover on Three Dog Thursday. Our own Brian Edwards, senior handicapper of uh, MajorWager.com, he will be on board here straight ahead on Three Dog Thursday. He cashed in with the Florida Gators. We had Ryan Kramer from the Sports Gambling Podcast. As a guest last week, he gave you Kansas State, which did not win, but got the cover in the close loss to Oklahoma State. We were dealing with underdogs last week. We'll try to do the same on the show, obviously, for this week in college football. And even Brian had the New York Giants in the NFL last week. My pick of the Colts fell flat and kept me from going three for three on Three Dog Thursday. The Colts being beaten by the Ravens. But we're going to have lots of underdogs to go over and dissect. That's what we do on this show with uh, right now football, football, and more football as part of it. But hey, we've got golf. A rare, crazy, bizarre 2020 sees the Masters, the rescheduled, delayed 2020 Masters being played in November. And to that end, a special guest, ESPN's golf guru, Bob Herrig of ESPN TV and ESPN.com will hop aboard here on the Three Dog Thursday audio version and on the video simulcast, the YouTube roundtable here of Three Dog Thursday. Bob will be on from Augusta National, giving you insight and analysis on Tiger Woods as the defending champion. Who are the favorites? What's it going to be like with no fans there? It's crazy. 
Uh, so Bob will be here on the roundtable. Jason Powers, by the way, from the Powers on Sports podcast, one of my uh, Tampa brethren, will also be here. Jason's got some great insight on all things, including the college football and the underdogs. When Jason was on here the last time, he got a couple of underdogs that he hit with on Three Dog Thursday. So I'm anxious to bring him back on with Bob Herrig on the YouTube roundtable later on in the show. Reminder, by the way, if you have not already, subscribe to this podcast. No matter how you found us, through a social media link, through the sportsgamblingpodcast.com website, through the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows, Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, Colby Dan, all the great shows that they have, Sports Gambling Podcast, uh, The College Experience, we have Three Dog Thursday, Marquise Johns is always on with me on Big Fight Weekend, our boxing podcast is on the network of shows, they've got an English Premier League uh, show, they've got a horse racing show on Sports Gambling Podcast. Again, however you found this show, subscribe. That's the easiest way to get Three Dog Thursday is subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It'll come automatically to you. Subscribe away. Rate us and review us. Numerous ones of you have done that during this football season. More and more people are finding us, in particular on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, by you taking 10 seconds to click rate and review and say, I love this show, I love the underdog picks, something like that. Give us five stars. Hit the five-star rate and review. More will find us via the the rating systems there on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you do so. So please, if you want to help the show out, spread the word. Spread the word by sharing through social media and through rating the podcast on those outlets on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right, so much to get to. Again, Brian Edwards straight ahead with underdogs, lots of college football talk, including the Clemson upset loss last week. How does that affect them for the college football playoff? They didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Uh, what's going to happen if Clemson has a loss versus some other teams that don't have a loss? Brian will be going over all of that, and underdog picks are going to be straight ahead. Speaking of the Notre Dame upset, uh, again, let me pull the curtain back that we taped this show on Wednesdays to have it ready to go. Two things. First of all, we got a tropical storm bearing down on West Central Florida where I live in the afternoon and the early evening on Wednesday as I put this together. So that has made it a little daunting to try to get all of this done in advance. I don't know at the time that I'm taping this what kind of situation I'm going to have with power, uh, wind and rain. It is not a full-forced hurricane. It is a tropical storm. We've run out of the traditional names. We're now to the Greek alphabet. So it's Tropical Storm Eta, E-T-A, that is coming this way, like Beta or Zeta or Theta. Tropical Storm Eta is headed this way, and it is allegedly going to miss my area, the Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater area, West Central Florida, right in the middle of the state, and go north of us and not be as powerful as a hurricane. So we're going to catch a break from that. This is the same storm that last week was pounding uh, the Yucatan Peninsula, Honduras, uh, Belize, and then kicked back into the Gulf of Mexico, and, uh, and now has strengthened somewhat and has come to this area. So that's factor number one. I want to say thank you to my guests, including Brian Edwards, Bob Herrig, Jason Powers. They all hopped on when I was able to be able to tape with them. Make sure you have the podcast. So thank you to those guys uh, for coming on board and doing this. And by the same token, we've had COVID uh, postponements and cancellation all over the place in college football. Uh, for example, you're going to hear Brian mention the Ohio State-Maryland game in just a second when we were taping. We have gotten done with taping. I'm putting the whole show together, and now that game is not happening during 
uh, this weekend at least. It will be delayed until later in the year if it's played at all for the Buckeyes against Maryland due to COVID outbreak for the Maryland Terrapins. So we have four SEC games involving top 25 teams that are gone, including Alabama and LSU. And that was going to be the game to follow the Masters third round coverage on CBS Saturday night. So CBS has no primetime game because they can't switch another one. They don't have time to do that. Plus, there's other games being deleted out of the Southeastern Conference, including Texas A&M and Tennessee, that aren't going to play for this weekend, uh, as well as Auburn and Mississippi State. And, uh, and there's one other one as well. I believe the Georgia game with Missouri is also off. So four of them involving top 25 teams. Uh, that includes Ohio State now. Four top 25 teams, their game is gone, and, and three of those teams are in the top 10 uh, as it stands right now. Amazingly, the Notre Dame game with Boston College is still on. Now, you may know this as the week progresses Thursday into Friday and into the weekend, but for right now, with all those fans running on the field and Notre Dame having had a previous outbreak problem, they're allegedly still going to be able to play Boston College, and that shocks me that we haven't seen an outbreak from the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students that got around the players uh, on the field celebrating the Clemson win. It was a bad look for Notre Dame. A bad look that their president, who was infected himself by COVID-19, attending the White House ceremony for the Supreme Court justice nominee, Amy uh, Coney Barrett, without a mask on and got COVID-19 himself. And he's chastising the students and others for not taking precautions. Boy, talk about a hypocritical joke at Notre Dame. But uh, we'll wait and see. As for right now, you'll hear Brian and I talking about it. He loves Boston College. You'll hear why. For now, that game is to be played. You may know different because, again, we're taping this and putting this podcast out right now at the present time. So in any event, uh, let's see what happens. Hopefully there are no more COVID postponements than what we've already had. We'll see what happens uh, here with that. Okay, so uh, more to get to about the Masters. Again, it's weird with no fans. We're going to talk with Bob Herrig about that, plus some underdog possible predictions uh, off of the Masters. I'm looking strongly at a Tommy Fleetwood, by the way, at uh, at plus 5,000 at 50 to 1. Uh, here for this one. Let's see if Fleetwood looks good uh, in this. A friend of mine keeps saying Tyrell Hatton as an underdog. Tyrell Hatton of England as an underdog. Of course, we know that guys uh, like Justin Thomas and John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and Roy, I may have said Dustin twice, Rory McIlroy, all those guys are up at the top. Tiger Woods is not at the moment, one of the favorites as the defending champ. He's just not played very well this year, including recently. So how he's just going to flip the switch on at Augusta when the course is going to play longer, it's cooler, it's going to play longer, there's rain in the forecast, it'll make it play even longer if it's not uh, causing the rollout. How much of an advantage will Bryson DeChambeau have hitting it all over the place? We'll ask Bob Herrick about that. But we've got a November Masters, weather permitting, rain permitting, Here we go with 2020 again. Can they get the Masters in this weekend? We'll talk about that. We've got NFL conversation coming up. Uh, A lot of it uh, with Brian Edwards at the end of the show with NFL underdogs. All of that as we are ready to roll here with this latest edition of Three Dog Thursday. Let's get to the guests. Let's get to the underdog selections and even some Masters golf mixed in with the college football and the NFL. Yes, as part of that tremendous role that we were on last week with the underdogs, this man was right there in the mix with college and pro 
underdog selections. Love me some Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider, also BrianEdwardsSports.com. Take your pick on where you want to find this man. But yes, we were coming through with one underdog after another uh, on this program last week. Five of them total. Congrats to you. Nice job. And now we got to keep it up, right, for this week in what is already a bizarre week with COVID-19 cancellations, et cetera, et cetera. Brian, how you doing? Doing great. And, and you know, that 14 nothing Georgia lead, all that did was open up some more Gator <laughs> underdog pressure, plus 9.5, plus 6.5 in-game, and certainly some plus 250 money line. I loved it. I had a Seminole buddy uh, seemingly in his mind ragging on me, texting me. Uh-huh. It was 14 nothing, and I replied, never have I had less concern about a two-touchdown deficit <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> and you were and you were right, and you were all over the Gators midweek on being the underdog uh, there in that rivalry game with Georgia. And, man, did they stomp on the accelerator with Kyle Trask. And really, my doggy, my Arkansas pick with Tennessee was the same thing. It was 13 nothing Tennessee all the way into halftime. The problem for Jeremy Pruitt is they play a 60-minute game, a second half, and Arkansas flew right by them with 24 third-quarter points. Never looked back, got the win, obviously got the cover. So we had a couple of rallying SEC underdogs. Uh, last week. Uh, Okay, so before we get into some of the games of this week, and I want to talk about the Notre Dame upset of Clemson, at the time that we're taping, we're finding out about all of these SEC cancellations this week of conference games. Some of them may get made up at the end of the year, they're hoping, but there's a couple of them that you really wonder, is Alabama going to be able to play LSU? Because LSU already has a makeup game with Florida, and they're probably not going to be able to make up two games at the very end. Which one do they take? And both of those teams may be relevant, Alabama and Florida, for the SEC title game uh, as well. And this could have bearing on that. But, uh, Brian, uh, here we go with COVID-19 impacting the Southeastern Conference really in a bad way for the first time this year. They did lose two games in one week a couple of weeks ago. They've lost four games at the moment for this weekend. Well, there is a path for Alabama and LSU to still play, it would mean they would play earlier um, than expected. And LSU, which is not in the mix to get to Atlanta, not only LSU, but several other teams potentially will end up playing on the championship Saturday on December 19th. And why this is of extreme, Extreme interest to me is twofold. One, I have uh, multiple wagers on multiple accounts on Alabama over eight and a half win total. And if they don't get all 10 games in, the win total becomes a no play push, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then also, uh, Florida plays December 12th, a week ahead of assuming Florida and Alabama don't trip up and they would have to trip up twice. Uh, with one-and-a-half game leads in their respective divisions because they have the head-to-head tiebreaker over uh, A&M in the West for Bama and Georgia for Florida. And the other thing is is I want Alabama to be playing on December 12th where they don't have two weeks to prepare for us. So there's multiple reasons why I want Alabama and LSU to play, and, and they, they'll have to switch some games around. And LSU in the 
teams not involved in, in being in Atlanta would be playing games on the 19th to get it all in. Understood. And Florida right now to play LSU on the 12th as it stands. But again, LSU's got the second cancellation uh, here. You mentioned Texas A&M. Their game with Tennessee is off the board for right now, trying to make that up. And this is the same thing that the Big Ten had already previously announced. We're going to let everybody, and, and a lot of this has to do with television money for ESPN, for Fox, for the Big Ten Network. They're trying to get that extra game built in anyway because they started so late. They said everybody is playing on the 19th. If you're not in the championship game, you're playing somebody else, and we'll figure that out kind of as we go uh, here on on who's playing whom, uh, and the SEC may have to take advantage uh, of that. So we'll get into the underdogs and the underdog selections in a moment. I want to go back to last weekend, epic uh, Notre Dame victory, the first time in 27 years they've beaten the AP number one ranked team there in South Bend as they defeated Clemson in the double overtime dramatic game that seemingly had it all. The Irish and Ian Book find a way to pull it out Uh, After being down seven at the end of regulation and able to tie and being down seven in the overtime and being able to tie, then go ahead in the overtime and stop Clemson to preserve the win. The most watched Notre Dame game in 15 years on a non-bowl game on any network, including NBC. Uh, just a phenomenal game, uh, a, a tremendous game. And what, in your mind, Brian, what does it do to Clemson? It's great for Notre Dame, but what does it do to Clemson with the fact that Trevor Lawrence is not there, didn't play in the game? How much do you make of that? What is your assessment coming off the game? Uh, well, I mean, I think they're fine as long as they went out. I think they will uh, be in the playoff. And I really don't think that Trevor was missed uh, that bad. I thought. Uh, uh, DJ uh, Uyunglele played terrific. And what I do think they missed were all the starters that they didn't have on defense, like Mike Jones and uh, Tyler Davis and, and James Skowski and, and even Xavier Thomas missing the first half. I think that is what uh, they missed. And Travis Eaton um, not having a Travis Eaton uh, type of game when they needed him to uh, so much. And so um, there you go, uh, you know, but I think they'll be fine as long as they win out. Um, but they obviously have zero room for error and you never know what's going to happen everywhere else. They might need to start picking up some style points along the way, but as long as Notre Dame is undefeated when they get the ACC championship game, which is by far not a given. They still have to play at UNC, and they've got a very tough one at Boston College this week. But, um, you know, so Clemson the rest of the way, if they went out, and they want Notre Dame to win out as well, but um, I, I would think if Clemson wins out. But, I mean, there's all kind of stuff that could be going on. I mean, now Florida and A&M are legit contenders, and um, – after BYU, I mean, you just don't roll up into the Smurf turf and deal out pimp slaps like that. And so now BYU and Cincinnati, maybe uh, if they would have to have a lot of things fall right for them, uh, you know, with other teams losing in front of them. But that could start this week with, with Notre Dame and Boston College, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. And maybe Ohio State and Maryland. Maybe, maybe, um, 
Maybe baby two is on to something. He already won his 27-point <laughs> underdog last week. He already won outright, so we'll see. Yeah, we will see on this. And again, Clemson's going to have a strong case as a one-loss team with Lawrence back that the only loss is a double overtime loss where he didn't play. And you made that comment last week to us on Three Dog Thursday. And again, for Notre Dame, is it's wild, it's ironic, it's all those things. Notre Dame last beat the number one ranked team beating Florida State. Charlie Ward, the Heisman Trophy winner in Florida State, back in 1993 and the following week after that tremendous upset where Notre Dame got ranked number one they lost to Boston College at home and lo and behold that's going to lead us right into three dog Thursday for the BC Notre Dame game Boston College hosting them as a 13 and a half point underdog do you dare sniff the BC Eagles who you and I have both had on three dog Thursday earlier this season what do you think Brian Edwards about that matchup Oh, you damn right. We are all about Boston College this week, and we get great value uh, with the line out because of Notre Dame's win and because of BC's misleading and therefore unimpressive 16-13 to win at the Carrier Dome. However, it was a game they nearly doubled the Cuse in time of possession, as they should. They had a 399 to 240 advantage in total offense, 21 to 14 advantage in first downs, and the Cuse got a meaningless touchdown with 21 seconds left. Um, BC had sustained drives that ended up with five field goal attempts, two that were missed. But that, hey, I- I'm glad it happened like that because now we're getting double digits at home. And by the way. Boston College 9-0-1 against the spread in its last 10 games as a home underdog. And and I know we'll get to this in a minute, kind of like Felipe Franks going back to the swamp. We've got Phil Jerkovic uh, playing against his former team, Notre Dame. And you know he has taken BC to another level. You know his teammates will fight extra hard for him to uh, try to get a win against his former team. And, and Jer- Jerkovic is uh, – 12 to 2 TDI and T ratio in his last six games. And Notre Dame is one in four against the spread as a double digit favorite this season. And uh, it all sets up beautifully for BC. If your number is 13 and a half, buy it to the key number of 14 and sprinkle just a touch of money line just in case <laughs> they do what Tom Coughlin's team did yep. Lou Holt. The week after, with that left-footed kicker and that knuckleball at South Bend to beat the Irish. Heartbreaker. Yep, they played a great game and upset them, and you're right. Tom Coughlin was the coach. Interesting, the line opened at 16 and got bet down immediately to 14 or 13 and a half, it seems like, everywhere where the public went with Boston College. And I very much like this pick, but because everybody's on it and you're on it, I'll give out other underdogs, even though I, I do agree here and had BC earlier this year against North Carolina and obviously they had the cover. You were all over them against Clemson, Trevor Lawrence or not. You were all over Boston College back a couple of weeks ago. Let's see what happens in that matchup. 3.30 on ABC for that one. I'm going to go earlier in the day uh, at noon on ESPN2 in the ACC, noon Eastern time. Miami Hurricanes, underdogs on the road at Virginia Tech. Miami off the wild, hard-fought win against NC State's on the road two weeks in a row. But Virginia Tech with the awful loss at the end last week at home to Liberty. I know Hugh Freeze's team is now 7-0, but Virginia Tech, you saw this, Brian Edwards, and for the audience that did not, they, t- they took a timeout to ice the kicker 
uh, and screwed it up at the at the end because the <laughs> the kicker ends up making the kick. They also gave Liberty Life with a chance to stop the clock at the end of the game. They blew the game as a double-digit favorite at home. They also lost as a double-digit favorite at Wake Forest earlier this year, Virginia Tech. I love De'Eric King. I've, I've worked two of his games this year nationally on the radio on Compass Media with Tiki Barber, uh, both the Louisville and the, and the uh, Florida State Destructions by Miami uh, in those two wins. Um, Tiki worked them again last week against uh, NC State on Friday night on Compass Media Network, and I was texting with him, and he's like, hey, the Kane defense, not very good, but De'Eric King is just phenomenal. I'm getting points with De'Eric King, and I'm going Hurricanes. Uh, for my uh, first underdog selection here on Three Dog Thursday against Virginia Tech. So we both go with an ACC underdog. And Brian, you already hinted where you want to go next and what you like next. So go ahead with your next underdog here on Three Dog Thursday, Brian Edwards. It's going to be Arkansas, but let me add to your uh, Miami, uh, Khalil Herbert, who I believe is top five in the country in rushing yards at Virginia Tech. Uh, running back, 803 rushing yards, 8.4 yards per carry average, six rushing touchdowns. He left that Liberty game with a hamstring, and I know he's very, very questionable. So um, that's another thing mm. uh, to motivate you with the Canes there. But uh, as far as the Razorbacks, um, the most lucrative team in America for our purposes with a 6-0 and <laughs> spread record, and they get – Florida in a vintage letdown scenario, and they <clears throat> excuse me. They also get the Gators banged up, perhaps five starters out. Uh, junior DB Trey Dean definitely out. Senior defensive end Jeremiah Moon doubtful with a foot injury, and three other starters that left the Georgia game. Obviously, star Kyle tight end uh, or star tight end Kyle Pitts, uh, offensive guard Stuart Reese, another starter. Uh, senior safety Brad Stewart, all questionable. But I think Pitts is out, and I want him to be out. And I will be mad, if not livid, if Mullen doesn't rest him. But I'm confident he will, and I'm okay with him resting him at Bandy next week as well to uh, get his head on right. We see car, car crashes on Saturdays and Sundays quite often, but that one was a – a big one, and Pitts doesn't need to be on the field this week. Arkansas should be 4-2 and two straight up. They got robbed at Auburn. Uh, Felipe Franks is playing terrific. Three touchdown passes, no picks in the comeback against Tennessee last week. 14-3 TDI and T ratio for the year. Florida letdown mode, missing some key pieces, missing the second most important piece on the team. I believe we will be in Pitts outside of Trask. Pitts is a better pro prospect but they're both excellent pro prospects florida wins by seven ten tops arkansas covers how about that and again sam Pittman, the coach testing positive for COVID 19 the sec really being hit every which direction but for right now again we need to qualify this i i said it at the beginning before you ever came on that when we do this podcast and we record this stuff if stuff happens later on wednesday night if it happens on thursday we don't have any way of knowing that and we've seen a lot of games cancel on thursday morning thursday afternoon we're going with this game, uh, Arkansas and Florida. We believe it's proceeding, uh, and you like the Hogs uh, here in this one against uh, a Mullen and company at home, even though you like Florida to win. And that, that hit by Richard Seen, the safety of, uh, of Georgia, was obscene. It was awful. It, it was exactly what they don't want anymore, targeting a receiver that is an NFL prospect, as you mentioned. It, it would not have... 
I, I would not have had a problem with Greg Sankey and the SEC stepping in and telling Kirby Smart, he's not only ejected for that game, we're suspending him for a full another game. Uh, another game besides that. They didn't do that for that hit. Just to make absolutely clear, you can't ever be doing this anymore where you take a three-step running start, flying leap with your helmet down, and try to take somebody's head off um, to seriously injure him and possibly yourself. Both players were knocked out, uh, knocked out f- figuratively and literally out of the game after that play in the Florida-Georgia win uh, last week. All right, so... Uh, I, think side, I think he lost five or six teeth, too. He was spitting them out on his crazy. way to the sidelines. It was crazy that that play didn't result... That both guys got up didn't result in a more serious injury from that play. All right, I've got one more college underdog, and do not laugh at me here in going at the Big Ten because I have some things beside this uh, right now and to, and to back it up. Michigan hosting Wisconsin... I come at it number one from this standpoint. Wisconsin hasn't played a game in three weeks after the opening win over Illinois. They have been unable to play because of uh, an outbreak, really, of COVID-19. They had over 15 players test positive. The coach, Paul Chris, test positive. It canceled out two of their games. So I've got a Michigan team that even though they haven't played well the last couple of weeks, that's played three games and played the last two weeks. I've got a Wisconsin team that hasn't played well. I've got Michigan at home. The home team in this series, same coaches, basically same coaching staffs, 4-0 and the last four meetings for the home team. And the home team is also 3-1 and against the number. I'm getting points with Michigan at home. I think they will be better. I think they will find a way to beat Wisconsin in this game out right I will take the points I don't know if you have raised an eyebrow at that I cannot see you Brian Edwards of majorwager.com and Vegas Insider I don't I didn't go to Michigan I don't live in Michigan I just smelled that one out right away here they get points at home when they've been playing and Wisconsin has not been playing do you have a quick thought on that well you know I've been asked about that game um several times this week and I'm just like it's a, a complete pass because of the unknowns with the Wisconsin, but I did see a tweet, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'm kind of assuming, um, uh, TJ, that, that you're thinking that Graham Mertz is going to be out because we were led to believe he was a 21-day protocol. But I, I did see that ESPN's Adam Ritt- Rittenberg uh, tweeted a little while ago that Wisconsin, or an hour ago Wisconsin offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph says QB Graham Mertz remains in protocol but UW is waiting to see if he can return this week. A quote, a little bit of uncertainty there, but the guys who have practiced are ready to go. So I was thinking Mertz was out for sure. This seems to indicate maybe there's a possibility for him. Right. And I didn't know what your thought process is. I, I thought you might be thinking he's I don't out care. for sure, because I, I, mean, I was. At this, at this point, it may change here after we do the show. It may change Thursday or Friday that he's able to play. I just value more they're at home. Harbaugh under fire every direction. Uh, Wisconsin not having played the last couple of games – I ju- uh, last two weeks against a no, team that has been. I just like it for that reason, whether Mertz plays or not. What other, I mean, they might be missing 10 other players, and they won't let us know. They won't sure. let us know. I, like, I had Mississippi State last week against Vandy. I had, first off, 
Leach never discussed his injuries. I had no idea Mississippi State barely had more than 53 players dressed out until after the game. Yeah. So that's, this is another thing in the COVID-2020 year, the COVID-19 times, where the schools don't have to tell you. Uh, we'll see how it goes for that matchup in the Big Ten. And, and I do know this. If Michigan does not win this game, it is all but a foregone conclusion like we've been talking about that, uh, that Harbaugh and exit visas are coming because the, uh, the, the faithful are not as faithful right now uh, there for Michigan. All right, anything else in the college game that we want to dabble in? Any other underdogs or are we good for now and ready to move on with you late in the show to talk NFL? Brian Edwards, anything else? Any other game, if not an underdog, any other total or anything that you're looking at in the college game? Mm, there's a few favorites, but I won't mention them. But since the, uh, you're giving me one little second, let's uh, let's keep an eye on Hugh Freeze and potential interest from Tennessee and Boston College. And, you know, I didn't realize this till yesterday. Did you know that Coastal Carolina and Liberty play each other on December 5th? <laughs> How about that? that is a very interesting game with Coastal Carolina having the unbeaten season. And I like what you said earlier. What, how do we judge BYU? They went and whacked Boise State on the road. Cincinnati probably playing better competition in the American Conference if they finish undefeated. You may have you may have two or three teams here that Liberty Coastal winner BYU Cincinnati that could finish undefeated and be outside of the playoff, which would be more 2020 anarchy if, if, if we have that. If if I'm BYU's AD, I am I am monitoring Power Five potential cancellations and trying to talk a Power Five AD into letting me come play because mm. I know they only have like North Alabama, San Diego State left, a couple of open dates, and if they could schedule another game to boost their resume. They should be actively trying to do so. That's a great point, and that's why we have Brian Edwards here. All right, my friend, great talk on the college uh, stuff with the underdogs. Hang in there. We'll come back to you for some NFL underdogs in our final segment. Our roundtable coming up as well. Uh, Some talk about the Masters uh, as well as other college and NFL conversation. Bob Herrig of ESPN, Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports podcast will be rolling in as the roundtable kicks off shortly. But first, we're brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. We've headed now into November with the NFL, with college football, everything that's going on right now in sports. And of course, whether you're a first-time customer or whether you've been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, contests, everything they offer every week, including with the fights off the huge weekend last weekend. Find all the odds, sign up, load up, find an edge, make your bets, and get paid with MyBookie. And right now, if you sign up today and use the promo code SGP, you'll get a deposit match all the way up to $500 in your account if you're a first-time user. Again, if you're a first-time user, put $100 in, they'll put $100 in. The same with $200 on your initial deposit, they'll put $200 in all the way up to $500. It's winning season at MyBookie. Join in the fun. Get some cash. You bet. You win. You get paid. A $500 up to $500 deposit match awaits you as a first-time user with our promo code SGP. It's mybookie.ag, promo code SGP. 
We're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. Tremendous response from our audience here at Sports Gambling Podcast on the network of shows, including Three Dog Thursday, uh, the Sports Gambling Podcast, the College Experience with Colby Dant, uh, on and on, including our Big Fight Weekend podcast that we have on the network fleet of shows. All of you keep responding, and rightfully so, with Thrive Fantasy because it's daily fantasy with player props. In the NFL, choose 10 of the 20 available players in the props and build up your lineup. And with Thrive, you eliminate all of the other ancillary, which way to go, the extra research. Again, it's 20 available players in the NFL. Pick 10 of them, prop them up. They're assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under. Hit the prop and rack up the most important points. uh, And those points will win you a share of the prize pool. So for this week, for example, give me a prop like Aaron Rodgers hosting the Jaguars at Lambeau, 287.5 passing yards. That seems a little low. I mean, Deshaun Watson let uh, let them up last week. I think it's going to be the same thing with Rodgers this week. I think he will get to 300 passing yards in this game. I'm going over uh, on that prop. Another one that is interesting is the Eagles and Carson Wentz. We'll be talking more about this game as the podcast goes on with the Eagles and the Giants at the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium and for New York. Can they hold Carson Wentz under 24 and a half completions? Their defense has been so-so. I know that even Alex Smith was throwing on him. Tom Brady obviously led the comeback to throw on him. I would be inclined to take the under here on Carson Wentz with the Giants looking for some payback under 24 and a half completions uh, in that game in the Giants Eagles game. Again, 24 and a half completions. That's a lot of completions for Wentz and the Eagles offense, which has struggled uh, at times. And we'll go back to one more. Uh, the showdown with the Ravens and the Patriots, which will be Sunday night football, this one at New England. Will Mark Andrews catch a touchdown or not, the tight end of the Ravens, from Lamar Jackson against New England? New England's defense uh, gave up a lot of yards and a lot of points to Joe Flacco and the Jets. Uh, Andrews is a great red zone target for Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go over that total. I think he will catch a touchdown in this Sunday night game. At New England, give me the over for the Ravens tight end as just another example of what you have with Thrive Fantasy. So again, take advantage with our friends at Thrive Fantasy and all of these different props. They've had over $50,000 in guaranteed prizes going out every week. They've awarded over $1.8 million this season in cash prizes. Use our promo code SGP when you sign up and get an instant match of up to $50 on your first deposit. So download that Thrive Fantasy app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Go to thrivefantasy.com to find out more, see the rules, the restrictions. Sign up and prop up today and use our promo code SGP with Thrive Thrive Fantasy. And if you've ever thought of owning your own sports book but you didn't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start it up. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They've got top-notch customer service going 24-7, some of the sharpest lines in the industry, and plus... Ace Per Head also has live betting and a great mobile experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering six weeks free, by the way. Go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more. The dogs are barking. 
who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. We do continue here on Three Dog Thursday. The roundtable is back, the YouTube version of the show. If you're only hearing us through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows, come find the YouTube roundtable and see what we look like as part of this segment of the show. And what a motley crew uh, here that we have. Let's bring in right away from Augusta, Georgia. Oh, my Lord, I've even put the shirt on. I've got the hat over my shoulder. It is a November Masters. And so Bob Herrig of ESPN and ESPN.com is right there for the historic 2020 November Masters. Good to have you. I bow to you. Good to have you, sir. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know why you'd want anybody to look at us, but okay. (laughs) It okay. works. It I'll works. show you the pictures of this place better than better, a lot better than looking at look, looking at us. All right. So wait a minute before we introduce our next guest. If you're on the YouTube video, please pan around. He's in the media room right now, midweek. But pan that camera around and I mean, show the audience that. what we okay. can look at here. Bob is in the media room at Augusta. So there's the plush media room. We have see to that hush. big. Uh, we have see to that quiet big, down. Yes, that big yes. screen there. That's. That becomes a video screen and scoreboard once the tournament starts. (laughs) Show them the view. That's right out the, that's the driving range right out that window. That's the driving range, uh, you know, from back from the driving range to us. And, uh, you know, this is the amphitheater room where we all work socially distanced. Wow. Not, not, you know, about one third the number of people are here this week that would normally be due to the circumstances. I don't know how we follow that up. We're going to come back to Bob about the Masters. He is merely Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports podcast, but he is ready to come strong and come correct in a lot of different ways. Brother Powers, how are you feeling here on Three Dog Thursday on the video roundtable? Great to see you, TJ. Bob, now there's be plenty of room at the Waffle House for you. You'll, you'll be able That's to right, get man. in and out. In and Easily. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so let's just follow up with that. I've already mentioned uh, It's Bizarre. There are no spectators allowed. I, I, I don't know uh, if Surreal does it justice. You're there. How would you describe it, Bob Herrick, for Masters 2020 in November with no fans? I think Surreal is a pretty good word. It's, uh, it's strange. It's, uh, you know, it's sad, actually. You know, here we are at this great, you know, event, iconic event, you know, incredible place, you know, and uh, they're not letting anybody in. You know, it uh, it really stinks. I watched, I walked the entire course on Monday, and there's not even any ropes up. There's no grandstands. There's no seating. Um, they have some painted lines along the fairways or in the rough to keep you from kind of where you're supposed to be. But there's not going to be that many of us out there. It's not really even going to be an issue. Um, and so that takes away from it big time. I mean, not just the numbers of people, but the the cheering, the roars, you know, the oohs and ahs, the groans. Um, you know, I've said this many times. What would Tigers win last year have been without fans? Right. Such a huge part of the story. And uh, so, you know, whoever wins this year, they're going to be deserving, but they're going to miss out on that. And that's, uh, that's a shame. Yeah, we're going to take a look at this right now. Um, on the screen here, what Bob's talking about. So they held the champions dinner last night. And again, that's basically a private thing uh, as it is. There's Tiger. And uh, what was it? Uh, Sushi and shrimp tempura 
and also chicken fajitas. We're on the November Champions Dinner from Tiger Woods from a year and a half ago's win. Uh, and then you mentioned he was out early, and there, there was Bob Herrig uh, out uh, with Tiger in the, uh, in the Monday or the Tuesday practice round. You were out walking the course with him, and now Tiger will play with Shane Lowry and Andy Ogletree as we're looking at your story that Bob wrote right. for ESPN.com. Um, and again, as we come back on screen here, Again, he's the he's the crowning. It's a crowning moment. He's the champion returning with the champions dinner, but yet it's got to have just such an odd feel. I think it hurts him. I think it hurts the guys who are used to thieving off the energy of a crowd. I think Tiger definitely used that to his advantage last year. Um, the balls in the water at the twelfth. You know there was you know there was cheering when that happened. That's hard for the other guys to, to deal with. It, it gave him a boost. When he made the putt on 16 to go up by two, actually it was a short putt. He hit the great shot in there on 16 to par three. Um, you know, the noise was deafening. And everybody on the whole property knew he did something. And the guys who, he's, who are in contention are in the groups ahead of him. 17th tee is yards away from the 16th green. They're seeing it and hearing it. Now they got to get up and hit a tee shot. You know, it's, it's, um, that's part of the, the, the uh, process in winning a big tournament is overcoming the nerves and the pressure that the crowd brings with, with every swing. Guys aren't going to have to deal with that this time. And I think it's hurt Tiger. He's played six tournaments. And, you know, he's used to there being thousands of people with him all the time, and it's crickets. And he's... Um, I think he's had a really hard time adjusting to that. And, and, you know, he's more or less said that, that it's been hard to get going with, with no noise. It's just, it's not, uh, you know, it's like playing a practice round where obviously there's not the same adrenaline. Bob, I think that's a great point. Go ahead, Jason. Give me your quick thoughts. Quick question, Bob. I think a big factor in this tournament is going to be that the players are to the site line. Lots of sight lines are going to be so much different for the guys, it seems like, with no stands, with no people. How do you think the players are going to adjust it, just have the, the, the visual effect of the course being so different? Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's something to that. Uh, although, you know, they've many of these guys have played here without spectators. Uh, but there is a framing aspect. Uh, you know, they're, they'd be used to seeing people behind the green their depth perception is going to be off. They're, they might they might have wanted to, to, you know, blast one into the crowd in, in some instances when they thought if they're in between clubs and they think, well, should I be long or short, they might rather be long. They figure if they hit it into the crowd, it's going to stop. Right. You know, well, now it's not. It's going to hit and going to keep going. <laughs> There's nothing to stop it. And, you know, and that can happen on either side of the green too. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an issue. You know, it, it just is going to look different to them, and it's going to really sound different. No doubt about that. All right, I got another subject that I want to cover here as well, and that's Bryson DeChambeau. So much talk about his length. As we take a look at him on screen again on the YouTube roundtable, he's bulked up. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and there's more than one person pointing out that if he overpowers this course and turns it into driver nine iron, driver wedge on par fives, mm -hmm. that it somehow is making a mockery of it. Bob, again, give us some insight. I know you're dominating early, but you're there at Augusta. What about DeChambeau and, and what appears to be his game plan, game plan to overpower Augusta National? 
it's a huge advantage if he can take advantage if he can take advantage of it, and that's the key because the drive is just one part of the playing a hole. You still got to hit an approach shot. You still got to make a putt. He might have to hit a chip. He might have to make a five footer for par. Those things are really important too, and they're not guaranteed. And I think what's really interesting about Bryson now, this transformation has kind of happened over the last year, and he has worked really hard at getting big and strong and hitting it far. Good for him. It's it's impressive. But he's played twelve Masters rounds, and he's only been in the sixties once. Just one time, a 66 in the first round last year. So now, of course, he didn't have this length then. To be able to hit short irons into the par fives especially is huge. He, he, I don't think he did himself any favors when he said the course is kind of like a par 67 for him. I'm not sure that's, um, you know, that's real. I mean, that's assuming that he birdies all four par fives and maybe he birdies the third. The third's a short par four that he doesn't even need a driver to get to. He can get to that green with a three wood. So in the, but I mean, it's not an easy green. If you miss it in the wrong spot, it's not an easy up and down. Uh, there still are some tough shots that are not drivers, you know. So, and you know, some of the fastest, most undulating, tricky greens in the world. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up there, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as everybody's making it out to be. It's a great point on that one. And DeShambo, we're going to take a look here. And Jason Powers, I'm going to bring you in. DeShambo is the favorite at plus 600. We look at the odds from mybookie.ag. DeShambo plus 600. Justin Thomas plus 1,100. Uh, Dustin Johnson plus 800. Patrick Reed, a former champ, plus 2,800. Did we ever think we'd see Tiger Woods, who's not exactly been playing well, and that has a lot to do with plus 3,500 right there in front of his name. Jason, what do you make of that? If we were looking maybe for somebody other than DeChambeau, or maybe you like DeChambeau here as the favorite. Jason Powers, what do you think? Actually, I think this, is, this has been, obviously, 2020 has been a year of unpredictability. I don't think DeChambeau is going to be in the mix. I think it's going to be a situation where, if we remember several years ago, who had the big lead going into Sunday and vomited all over themselves? One, Rory McIlroy. I think the no crowd is going to help him. I think Rory, this would be a per, I mean, of all things, he completes the Grand Slam in a year like 2020. I'm going to go Rory McIlroy as my sleeper. I know he's not a sleeper. I mean, he's fifth or sixth on the betting board. But I'm going Rory McIlroy to win the Masters. Interesting. He's plus 1,200 here as we look at it on the YouTube roundtable just for whatever that's worth because I wanted to look at that one more time. Interesting prediction on that. And it's a year again where they ran the Indianapolis 500 with no fans. They ran the Kentucky Derby with no fans. We are watching NFL games and major college football games with no one there. So it is strange. And how will it affect? And golf, again, has played largely with no fans. DeChambeau won the U.S. Open without any fans there. So it has been weird to watch all of this uh, unfold with the golf. few more moments with the roundtable guests. You're hearing the voices of Bob Herrig of ESPN and ESPN.com. Jason Powers, Powers on Sports Podcast. Uh, I love my up-and-coming uh, media colleague, Jason Powers, with all of his insight. Jason, a former Division I college kicker at UAB and Florida State, so he comes with a great perspective of having been a for former player as well as being well abreast with the sports. All right, I have waited long enough. We have put people <laughs> off for the thing that matters the most. Forget about the Masters. 
Forget about the November uh, first time and maybe only time ever tournament. We have got to discuss the thing that matters the most, and that is Indiana football right now. <laughs> As we take a look at the screen, it is Hoosiers all the way. Bob Herrig is a Hoosier. I have known this for 25-plus years, and I'm looking at the Indiana Hoosiers on my screen on the YouTube roundtable. Take it to the Michigan Wolverines. Do I dare say that the Indiana football program is 3-0 and in the – look at that catch – on the YouTube roundtable, Indiana 3-0 in the top 25. Bob Herrick, come correct here about your Hoosiers uh, at this point. You're, you're looking great, right? I know it's early, but you're looking great with the Big Ten resumption right now. Yeah, we're, Who had Indiana? We're a football school, man. Always football school. What about basketball? Is the calendar uh, wrong? Are we in the wrong month? It's 2020, man. It's all I can say. It's 2020. Um Actually, you know, from where I sit, they've been kind of trending decently the last couple of years under Tom Allen, but I don't think we saw this coming. Uh, You know, they hadn't beaten Michigan in, what, 30 years? Uh, And and, uh, uh, to beat Penn State, and now, you know, look, it's still not going to be easy. Um, They've got to play Michigan State. they still got Ohio State. Purdue's never easy. Um, uh, Even, you know, they've got, what, Maryland? Maryland's the, the, nothing's guaranteed with these guys. No. So, uh, you know, but it's been fun. It's been fun to see. It's too bad, again, too bad they, there's not anybody there to celebrate it. it. Well, the thing is, it's taking me back to like the late 80s. I'm a contemporary of yours. Mm. We're almost the same age. We're going back to like parachute pants. We're going back to like Madonna <laughs> with number one songs everywhere. Anthony Thompson Tom- running yeah. the football for your Indiana Hoosiers, Herrig, back in the late 80s. And then my man yeah. Power says, but wait a minute. I want in on this conversation. Show us why you deserve to be in on the conversation, please. I'm putting you full screen. Go, Jason. I am, I, I am a beloved graduate school graduate of Indiana University. <laughs> I did my master's work at Indiana. So I was only there about a year and a half, but I loved every bit of Bloomington, all the, all the festivities, Kilroy's, all the different great places to go. I could tell you were smart, well-educated. <laughs> yeah. I I figured that out right away. I remember the Bill Mallory. When I was there, Bill Mallory was running the sidelines with the general Bob Knight. I mean, just, it was glorious. Good for the people of Indiana right now that they have this to go on. All right, so I only have a few moments left. We pick underdogs on this show for college football. And I I stayed away because I don't know what to figure with Michigan State uh, here at this point. But as we talk about uh, this matchup, uh, Indiana, does it scare you guys? Uh, you know, you're touting the Hoosiers. There it is. Indiana favored by seven. It is an early game at East Lansing. I know Iowa rolled Michigan State last week. Powers, does that game scare you if you're a Hoosier? Yeah, only because next week on the schedule they go to Ohio State. So it's a kind of a look-ahead week. Got to be careful here. Michigan State got thumped last week on the road. I think Indiana will win the game, but it would not shock me if this game's a game into the fourth quarter. One other note, the quarterback from Indiana, TJ, is a Tampa, Florida product. That's right, Michael yes. Penix. He's a Tampa high school product, and so we have some local flavor with him as well. But I think Indiana will get through this week in East Lansing, but it won't be as easy as everybody probably thinks. Interesting. Does that game scare you, Bob Herrick, real quick with all, the, all, with all the accolades? Me. They all scare me. It's Indiana football. We've got years and years of, of uh, negativity to, to try to uh, 
you know, get out of our veins, you know? So uh, maybe they should recruit a little bit more in Florida. You know, that's a great sign. I mean, it's a great, you know, well, Tom Allen, the coach was with USF and he's been in a couple of other stops recruiting Florida and obviously has gotten some players uh, at least to this point to get them to believe. They have no right to be looking ahead to anyone. (laughs) When you are Indiana, you cannot do that. And you know, TJ, you, you cheated us. We're a top 10 team. We're not a top 25 team. Right. We're the number 10 team in the country. Okay. For now, <laughs> we'll, we'll take that while it's there. All right, Powers, one more before we get out of here. Do you have an underdog or two that you might like on the docket? And if so, who is it? Last note about Indiana football. Purdue, Notre Dame, and Indiana all undefeated in the state of Indiana for football. When's the last time that's ever happened? Never, probably, at this point great, in the season. Great question. My underdog for the week. I like Nebraska at home getting three points against Penn State. Look for Luke McCaffrey, the son of Ed McCaffrey, the brother of Christian, probably going to be getting the nod at quarterback for Nebraska. They lost a close one last week to Northwestern. Penn State's reeling 0-3. I like Nebraska plus the three at home this week against Penn State. Yeah, I'm trying to find that on the screen while we're talking about because there's such a bevy of games here at this point. But, yeah, very interesting. Uh, in the Big Ten, go figure. Because, I mean, for example, Michigan State, the team that Indiana is playing, uh, they, they lose to Rutgers at home. They go to Michigan and win as, an, as a double-figure underdog, then get just destroyed by Iowa. So, I mean, 49-7. to So, In the early Big Ten season, tough to figure this out uh, right now. But you'll go with with Nebraska there for Three Dog Thursday purposes. All right, let me promote these guys one more time. Uh, Love Bob Herrig's work. Follow him on social media right here at at Bob Herrig on on Twitter. Love his insight. Uh, Check him out. Uh, Bob uh, does a great job with ESPN at Bob Herrig right there. You can also check him out on ESPN.com. Check out all the stories. You see what Bob has been writing about right there as the senior writer uh, for golf for ESPN.com. Jason Powers you find on Twitter, JPO Sports. Jason Powers on Sports, JPO Sports. Find the Powers on Sports podcast. We take a look at it on the screen through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Just search Powers on Sports. Again, he's got some unique perspective as a former player at the Division I level and with a lot of different insight on Tampa Bay Sports, Powers on Sports Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find it. Boys, I always love getting a different viewpoints and perspectives. This is a first on the roundtable that we're at Augusta in the – Bob, pan that camera one more time. we got to check out right. the media room before you we leave. It, pan it's the sunny. camera around. Look at this, the serenity of the there. media room. little sunny it's, out midweek. Can you see the driving range? It's sunny We do now. see the driving range kind of in the silhouette yeah. there in the background. Hey, they were, He's just saw Steven Stamkos on the big screen there over there. There we go, yeah. Stamkos there on the big screen. They're promoting everything on Golf That's, Channel and NBC. I love it. That's uh, where we'll see the all weather. the scores tomorrow. Yeah, there we, we go. Can. We hope the weather holds up as well with all the craziness that's been going on. Hopefully the rain holds off and we get all of the golf in and they get it in before the NFL football on Sunday <laughs> on CBS with the green jacket ceremony and a potential playoff and all of that. Great stuff, though, guys. Bob Herrig, ESPN, thank you. Jason Powers, Powers on Sports Podcast. Thank you, gentlemen, for hopping on Three Dog Thursday with me. Thank, thank you, TJ. We thank both of those guys. Brian Edwards is back to talk some NFL football in our final segment coming up. 
We are back in once more with senior handicapper, MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider One, Brian Edwards, back with me on the show. Last week, you said to me and anybody else that would listen to you here on the program, New York Giants, New York Giants, and lo and behold, outright win as a double-digit underdog against uh, the uh, Washington football team. Nice call on that. Bravo. Uh, as you came through with another it got NFL. A little scary at the end, though, brother. Well, you know what? Scary. Get a little scary doesn't matter. You still got the win and got the cover uh, as a doggy there for last week. So we're going to talk more, I'm sure, about the Giants uh, in a few moments. I have gotten so much uh, response, gotten so many people to contact me after Sunday night football. And full disclosure, you said it to me before we ever pressed the record button uh, about the Buccaneers of the Saints. The same kind of theme question What was that? for the Bucs on Sunday night in a blowout home loss to the Saints, a team that had been looking really good with Tom Brady, even on both sides of the ball, even defensively, just absolutely shellacked by Drew Brees and the Saints. And Brian, I'm sitting here midweek ready to move on to Carolina, but I I still don't have an answer as to exactly what that was, except it just became an avalanche and a blowout because the Bucs couldn't get a first down, and then they let Drew Brees just stand and pick them apart. That I mean, that still holds three days later, having watched the game back on TV on the on the NBC broadcast. It's like, how long are you going to let Breeze stand there and throw the ball over the middle to open targets? If you're dropping seven or eight guys, you got to quit letting guys be wide open against your zone defense. It was bad uh, for that game uh, on Sunday night, and. I, I know uh, you were joking with me again before I pressed the record button. You you were trying to get some kind of action on the Buccaneers, even in-game, right? And it just didn't work. Well, yeah. I mean, I had a great weekend, and I just I didn't want to – I, I kind of just wanted to watch that game and not stress. But when, you know, anytime – I'm always looking for in-game opportunities. And when there's a surprising, you know, lopsided margin, I believe it was when y'all were down 24-zip, uh, I mean – I just couldn't turn down plus 18 and a half in game. And <laughs> good Lord, that could not even come close. Uh, I know that's th- that's amazing that you could get the Bucks at plus eighteen and a half to entice you to bet, and they didn't even put a touchdown on the board. Only a late field goal to try to give you hope that they could make that happen. And I really Would believe that have been Brady's first shutout of his career. Uh, I'm trying I could, to. I, I believe uh, it would have been. I do. I, I do know this. I do know this. He had not been down thirty-one nothing before. So if there was a shutout, I believe they were shut out by the Buffalo Bills his second year when Bledsoe had gone to the Bills. Remember that in in, um, in uh-huh. two thousand three. But I don't think that got to thirty-one nothing. I believe it was the first time right. he had been behind thirty-one nothing uh, in a game, and eventually. Uh, and eventually 38 nothing um, in the game. So uh, just crazy aberration. And it just says to me as we segue to this week, I know the Buccaneers playing against Carolina. I'm saying this as much as I possibly can midweek. Stay away from the Carolina Panthers. I believe this is wrong place, wrong time for them. With Brady refocused, the defense will be refocused against Bridgewater and Carolina. I know the Panthers are at home. But this is wrong place, wrong time, I think, for Carolina. Just just me saying that for this week. Uh, you know, I was about to fire away on Carolina, and then I saw McCaffrey's out. But I still lean Carolina in that game. We'll see. So you're disagreeing with me on that one. Again, McCaffrey with a shoulder injury at the very end of the game with Kansas City. Looks like he will not play. It's not official as of yet, but midweek the reports are not able to practice, probably not going to play. 
Uh, Teddy Bridgewater obviously has been solid. Uh, they've got Mike Davis, the former South Carolina running back, as the backup running back trying to make some plays uh, for them. We'll see what Brady and the Bucks look like for this weekend. All right, so if we're staying away from that game, do you have an underdog for Three Dog Thursday purposes that you like, Brian Edwards, for this week? Yeah, let's go back to the G-men who are 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six, with the only non-cover being by the hook in a 20 to 19 win over the Redskins on October 18th when they were one and a half point home favorite. And uh, the Giants with a win here against Philly this weekend, and they are plus three and a half right now, uh, are really, really back in the mix <laughs> in, in the division race. Although I look at their schedule and I do see at Seattle and at Baltimore still remaining, but um the Giants are playing sneaky, good football right now. I mean, even going back to the Rams game out west when they uh, lost by eight but were driving deep in L.A. Right. territory and potentially for a tie late. Since then, they played at Dallas when Dak was still healthy and had a, had a lead like most of that game, and Dak brought them back and won by three. And then they beat Washington by one. And then Evan Ingram dropped the pass that would have iced the game, and they had to punt, and Philly got a late score, beat them by one. And then they lost to your boys, Tampa, by two. And then they hold on and beat Washington by three. So the Giants have been in three-point games or fewer, one, two, three, four, five weeks in a row, and we can get three and a hook at home against the Eagles. I like the G-Men. And this is payback. I like the Giants here, too. You took them first, but I like the Giants also for Three Dog Thursday. And for the you audience, can have some too, buddy. I'll get in on some of your love here. This is payback because, as you mentioned, they lost in the final minute to the Eagles on Thursday Night Football a couple of weeks ago. They get them at home. Again, no fans at MetLife Stadium. But the, the Giants played very well against a Buccaneer team that's much better than this Eagles team. Uh, I, I'm with you on, on this, on getting points at home. We'll see if the, if the trend continues uh, for New York. And, and the comical thing, it may be first team that gets to six wins in the East, in the NFC East. Maybe a seven-win team, uh, but the Eagles have that tie as well that could help them. Six wins may be enough in the NFC East, so let's see what happens in the head-to-head matchup with that one. I'm going to turn to the Seattle Seahawks. Speaking of the Rams, the Seahawks on the road at the Rams off a tough loss, arguably their worst performance of the year. Buffalo is good. They played them at Buffalo. They were being beaten decisively. Russell Wilson's first two interception games since going back to the middle of last season. That's how good he's been but that a lot of that is buffalo's defense i like the seahawks to bounce back on the road in an nfc west showdown you helped me with the numbers you don't get seattle that often as an underdog uh really on the road they have not been an underdog all year by the way only only one time have they not been the favorite it was a pick'em game against atlanta as the road team to begin the year they've been the favorite in every game since then including last week when buffalo beat them but in the last, uh, what is it, Brian? The the last thirteen games as a as a road underdog, Seattle is nine three and one nine three and one as a road underdog under Pete Carroll. First time as a road underdog this year. 
Familiar opponent against the L.A. Rams. I'm taking the Seahawks, and I'm taking that point and a half or two points, wherever it is. Russell Wilson bounces back. They should have, should have, could have, would have, should have beaten Arizona a couple of weeks ago on the road in the NFC West. I'll take them to beat the Rams. Here, do you have any other follow-up thought on Wilson and the Seahawks? Uh, no, um, I'm not I'm not against that play, but um, no, you nailed it. 9-3-1 against the spread last 13 as a road dog, and they haven't been dogs all year. And and uh, I'm sure you – well, you can't get much of a money line price at plus one and a half or two. Right, but, uh, right. I know, I, know, I know you're not expecting them to lose by one. You like them outright. I like them outright here and to beat the Rams – uh, who again come off the the off week, and I would love for them to soften the Rams up because my Buccaneers will have uh, Jared Goff and company coming into Raymond James Stadium for Monday Night Football next week. Uh, so we'll see what happens in that. Uh, and, and the Rams have had some success against uh, against Seattle. I just like Seattle in the spot here. No fans again at SoFi Stadium in Southern California for Seattle to uh, be able to get the uh, the chance to get the win there in that one. Did you have another NFL underdog or thought, or are you good with the G-men only uh, here for the pro football conversation, Brian? Uh, if I can sneak a total in, I like the sure. over 48 on Chargers Miami. Five straight overs for the Chargers. Their defense is now, granted, they've had a lot of key injuries is a, a good reason why but their defense is just really struggling. And um, I know Miami's got a really good defense, but, man, Herbert's lighting everybody up. And Miami uh, certainly offensively looked terrific uh, at Arizona last week, and I think two is only going to get better every single week. So over 48, Miami and the Chargers, and probably want to get that ASAP because I, I still see I see, still see four out of uh, eight books in front of me on the screen or at 48, but a couple at 48 and a half and one all the way up to 49 and a half. So get it ASAP, but 49 or fewer. I think you're good. 49 being the multiple seven key number for a total. Well, and, and Tua looked fantastic. Speaking of a game against the Cardinals, uh, outgunning Kyler Murray in that game, wild game last week. Who knows? This is only going to be his third start. And the Chargers, if they can find a way to blow it, uh, uh, Brian, you know this, if they can find a way to blow it, they're going to blow it. They blew it last week against the Raiders with the chance to win the game on the second-to-last play and the last play of the game, throwing the alley-oop pass. Both times thought they had caught the winning touchdown to beat the Raiders. Both times nullified, incomplete uh, was the call the first time, and then they called it a touchdown, but replay reviewed it and overturned it and said, nope, Raiders win, the ball's on the ground. So the Chargers have lost over and over and over again with the lead in the fourth quarter, so I don't think you can trust him as an underdog, but Brian loves the total here against the uh, the Miami Dolphins in that game on Sunday afternoon. All right, so we've got lots of excitement to to happen and to cover. And again, we encourage the audience, they need to get on MajorWager.com and see all of your stories and information, uh, but follow your Twitter handle as well because you're always tweeting the latest info, injuries, game cancellations, line movements. Uh, Brian, plug away on where they find all of your great info and your stuff. Well, thanks, TJ. Uh, at Vegas B. Edwards is my uh, Twitter uh, handle and you can find my uh, SEC notebook every week on VegasInsider.com. Uh, you can find my picks on VegasInsider.com. Uh, you can also uh, find my content at MajorWager.com. You can follow Major Wagers Twitter at, at MajorWager uh, Uno, and uh, you can also get my picks at Brian Edwards 
sports.com where I have my power rankings, uh, et cetera. Uh, enjoyed it as always. TJ, thanks, man, and have a great weekend. Brian, you do so as well. My thanks also to Bob Herrig of ESPN and Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports podcast. They were part of the video roundtable uh, there with me talking a lot about the Masters and some more underdog picks. As always, find this show not only from the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows, but by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Subscribe to Three Dog Thursday. Find us. Find the YouTube video roundtable where you see me and my guests through YouTube. Search Three Dog Thursday in the Three Dog Thursday page. You can see the video roundtable. But again, subscribe, and the and the show comes automatically to you through Apple Podcast or Spotify. For now, we're done. We got five underdogs home and into the house last week. Let's see how many we get this week. Thank you for being with us here as part of the only digital radio show that loves those college and NFL doggies. Woof woof. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye.